Meet Jim Halsey, a Chicago-born teenager on a solo road trip to San Diego. His life is going swimmingly until he picks up a hitchhiker in the rain in an attempt to perform a good deed. The hitchhiker introduces himself as John Ryder, and the audience is introduced to one of the creepiest boogeymen of the 80s. The late Rudger Hauer and C. Thomas Howell star in this road thriller that creeped me out way more than I expected. Today, it's 1986's The Hitcher on Filmgasm. Woo! Happy Wednesday, horror fans. Welcome to August. Here in Texas, it just keeps getting hotter, and it's starting to get a little irritating. A little rain, a little cloud cover, it's all I ask. Another solo pod going in the bag today, but next week is going to be a fun one with the dynamic duo once again. Hope you enjoyed Creep Show this past week, and in just two weeks, it'll be Weird Shit Wednesday once more. We're taking on the extensive filmmaking careers of Joel and Ethan Cohen, the undisputed heavyweight champions of quirky original cinematic storytelling. Some of their bigger hits include The Big Lebowski, Fargo, No Country for Old Men, and the 2010 remake of True Grit, among others. Episode 25, don't miss it. I got a brief rewind for you. No official updates on anything, just a little something our very own Caleb Leger picked up on in our bonus episode 1 on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you still haven't seen that movie, skip ahead about uh, 45 seconds. That ought to do it. Last chance now. Alright, we had forgotten the fate of one of the Manson family murderers, Tex to be exact. Well, turns out Tex gets his face punched in by Cliff Booth and he dies. Also, Eli Roth has since filed for divorce from Lorenzo Izzo, who portrays Italian actress Francesca Capucci, wife of, of actor Rick Dalton. So they're no longer together. Just wanted to get all our ducks in a row. Now on to The Hitcher. The Hitcher was released in 1986 and came from the mind of screenwriter Eric Red when he was 20. He was driving cross-country from New York City to Austin, Texas, and was listening to the song Riders on the Storm by The Doors. It gave him the idea of a killer on the side of the road during a storm. During his time in Austin, he drove a cab to make ends meet and wrote The Hitcher. Apparently, the original script was way more gory and over-the-top, all of the deaths are depicted in grave detail, including the slaughtering of the station wagon family and the ripping in half of the girl at the film's end. Thankfully, they toned it down in the next draft, and I personally think the understated violence adds to the film's creepiness. Makes it feel more realistic, like this was something that could actually happen. The Hitcher has an IMDb score of 7.3 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 61%, which I think seems low, but overall pretty solid score. The film stars character actor Rudger Hauer as John Ryder, the psychotic, murderous hitchhiker. Hauer, at the time, was known for his role as Roy Batty in 1982's Blade Runner, and he was looking for non-villain roles to avoid being typecast. But then Hauer read the script, and he couldn't put it down. He thought, if I do one more villain, I should do this. Good foresight on his part, as the hitcher became one of his most memorable performances, and in my opinion, his greatest. Rudger Hauer tragically died just three weeks ago, on July 19th, 2019, at the age of 75, of natural causes. The protagonist, Jim Halsey, is played by C. Thomas Howell, who is mostly known for his role as Ponyboy Curtis in 1983's The Outsider, 
a book I think most of us had to read in high school or college. You know, the Greasers and the Soches, 50s gang violence, you know, we're not so different, you and I. I don't know. The movie isn't bad, the cast is pretty great, but it's forgettable. I don't really get why we had to read that. But, regardless, Howell was the lead. And he's had a long and varied career since then, doing a lot of guest TV appearances on shows like Southland, Criminal Minds, Grimm, Ray Donovan, The Punisher, Animal Kingdom, and he's the voice of Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash, in the DC Comics animated films Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox, and Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. And I love him as reverse Flash. I think he's great. But, you know, I'm biased. Oscar nominee Jennifer Jason Lee co-stars as Nash, the local girl that befriends Jim and tries to help him clear his name with the cops. Lee was nominated for her performance in 2015's The Hateful Eight and has appeared in such films as Single White Female, The Hudsucker Proxy, Road to Perdition, and she had a major role in the 2017 revival of Twin Peaks. She's one of those actresses who you know you've seen before but can't quite place. Personally, I love her in The Hudsucker Proxy. And I've yet to see Single White Female. It's been on my list for a while. Probably a potential podcast topic in the future. The story begins with Jim Halsey driving down a deserted highway at night in the rain, delivering a car from Chicago to San Diego. In an act of charity, he picks up a stranded hitchhiker, who immediately starts giving off a creepy vibe. He introduces himself as John Ryder, and when Jim passes a stranded car, Ryder pushes Jim's foot on the gas, and they speed past it. Jim asks him what the hell that was, and Ryder stares at him. Jim asks him why he's looking at him like that, to which Ryder calmly states, That's what the last guy said. Jim inquires further. Ryder says he murdered the driver of that stranded car. He was the last guy who picked him up, and he intends to do the same to Jim. He pulls out a switchblade. Terrified, Jim asks Ryder what he wants. Ryder replies, I want you to stop me. This is the creepiest scene in the movie for me. Jim eventually realizes the passenger door is ajar, and Ryder never put on his seatbelt, so he shoves him out of the moving car and keeps driving. Relieved and feeling victorious, Jim keeps driving until the next morning when he sees Ryder in the backseat of a family station wagon that passes him. He tries to get their attention and warn them, but they think he's a nut. He later comes across their mangled bodies and throws up. He finds his way to an abandoned gas station to try and get to a phone to call the cops, but he runs into Ryder once again. This time, Ryder has his keys. He holds him up, but tosses him aside, calmly walks away. Clearly, the game has only just begun. Ryder takes off with a trucker, and Jim leaves to find a working phone. At another gas station, Ryder nearly runs Jim over in a black pickup, and he lights the place up with a match, blowing the whole place to hell. Jim finds his way to a roadside diner where he meets Nash, a waitress who allows him to make a phone call and cooks him a burger because she can tell he's having a pretty bad day. Jim calls the cops, tells them he knows who killed the family, blew up the gas station. They tell him to stay put, and he sits down, starts eating his fries, and he picks up a fucking finger. Ooh, and he realizes, oh shit, Ryder is here. Another really creepy moment. Jim runs outside, vomits again, only to encounter the local cops who arrest him after finding Ryder's blood-soaked switchblade in his pocket. They take him back to the station and lock him up. They don't think he's the killer, but they do think something's going on here. Jim falls asleep. When he wakes up, his cell door is open, and every cop in the precinct is dead. Jim panics, grabs a gun, and takes off. 
He heads to another gas station and takes two cops hostage, demanding to speak to the officer in charge. He speaks to Captain Estridge, played by Jeffrey DeMunn of Walking Dead fame. Dale, anyone? Ah, remember Dale? I like Dale. Well, Jim says he wants to turn himself in. And Captain Estridge is talking him off a ledge. But just then, Ryder drives up alongside them and shoots the two cops dead. The car crashes, and Ryder disappears again. Jim is going to be blamed for these murders, too. Jim goes to a cafe, where Ryder approaches him and sits down at his table. He points out that Jim's gun is empty, and he gives him several bullets, then leaves. Jim sneaks onto a bus to escape and runs into Nash once again. He takes her hostage, but says he didn't do anything wrong, and she believes him. The cops pull the bus over, and two officers try to arrest Jim, but they think he's a cop killer, so they try to goad him into resisting arrest so they can kill him. Jim doesn't take the bait, but one of the cops is going to shoot him anyway. However, Nash picks up Jim's gun and disarms the cops. Then the two steal the cop's car and try to help, you know, Jim clear his name. Nash has chosen a side. What follows is an epic chase with a helicopter and two cop cars, all of whom Ryder springs into action to destroy. He's like the fucking boogeyman. Jim and Nash retreat to a motel, and while Jim is in the shower, Ryder kidnaps Nash. Jim searches around for her and finds Captain Estridge and a whole mess of cops with their guns aimed at Ryder, who is sitting in a semi-truck. He's got Nash's feet tied to the truck and her arms tied to a pole. If he releases the clutch, she's going to be ripped in half. The cops now know Jim was always innocent, and they believe he may be the only one who can talk Ryder out of killing Nash. Jim gets in the truck and talks to Ryder. Ryder gives Jim a gun, tells him to shoot. Jim can't do it. So Ryder calls him a useless waste and releases the clutch, ripping Nash in half. It's brutal. It's unforgiving. Ugh. Ryder is arrested and Jim is brought to the police station to make his statement. Captain Estridge gives Jim a ride home, or at least a ride to the bus station, but Jim knows that they cannot hold Ryder for long. So he steals the captain's gun, ditches him in the desert, and steals his car to go kill Ryder himself. He encounters Ryder's prison bus which he's already taken control of, Ryder grabs a shotgun and leaps through the back of the bus and into Jim's windshield. Jim hits the brakes, hurling Ryder into the road. Jim tries to restart the car while Ryder shoots at him. He eventually gets it started and drives straight into Ryder, knocking him out cold. Jim picks up the shotgun, pokes Ryder for a bit. He's unresponsive, but Jim's not convinced. And he was right. Ryder springs up, back to life, and Jim shoots him in the chest, killing him. He then rests next to the car, having silenced the devil for good. That's the movie's story, but the way I saw it, this was the end of one boogeyman and the beginning of another. I think Ryder drove Jim insane with his bizarre murder games, and now Jim's going to be the guy hitching on the side of the road, killing people who pick him up. That's what I would have done. The film definitely hints towards Jim descending into madness. That's what this whole thing seems to be about, like a passing of the torch. But I guess the filmmakers disagreed with me on that, as there was a sequel made in 2003, The Hitcher 2, I've Been Waiting. C. Thomas Howell reprises his role as Jim Halsey, now a police officer with lingering mental problems. Jake Busey is the new killer, and he terrorizes a couple driving through Texas. It has an IMDb score of 4.3, no Rotten Tomatoes critic score, but an audience score of 18%, so I'll probably skip this one. But it seems like such a wasted opportunity. I mean, unless Jim goes crazy in that movie, I haven't seen it. But it just, it seems like 
they could make a really good sequel to this just by continuing the story they've already established. I mean, I don't know why Jake Busey has to be there at all. No offense to Jake Busey. The film is remade in 2007 with Sean Bean as John Ryder, Zachary Knighton as Jim Halsey, Neil McDonough as Lieutenant Estridge, demoted, and a new character, Grace Andrews, played by Sophia Bush. Instead of just Jim, it's Jim and Grace that Ryder is stalking this time. I haven't seen it yet, but now I certainly will, despite the negative reception. It has an IMDb score of 5.6, Rotten Tomatoes score of 21%. It's probably shit like most horror remakes, but I won't really know that till I see it, will I? And now for some filmgasm facts. Number one. In Rutger Hauer's book, All Those Moments... Howard discusses how producer Ed Feldman settled on Sam Elliott for the role of John Ryder. Howard states that, quote, Apparently, Elliott was so scary when he came into audition that Edward S. Feldman was afraid to go out to his car afterward. Sam Elliott had a scheduling conflict and had to back out of the role, freeing up Rutger Hauer to take it. And that's very interesting. So Rutger Hauer was the second choice, but apparently Sam Elliott was fucking terrifying. Too scary. Makes me wonder what was his performance like. I wish there was video of that. Number two. While performing the last bit of the windshield stunt, Rutger Howard knocked out one of his teeth with the shotgun he held in his hands. Howard did a lot of his own stunts for the film, including stunt driving, which impressed a lot of people. And that's pretty killer. I guess this was a low-budget film. I guess they couldn't afford stuntman, or Rutger Howard was insistent. Regardless, I mean, you know, the performance speaks for itself. Number three. Director Christopher Nolan has listed this as one of his favorite films, and I think that's really cool, and I totally see it. I can see a lot of Ryder in Nolan's version of the Joker. You know, a nameless wanderer who likes to play games with his victims, fixates on one particular victim who he believes is his antithesis, his opposite, and even drives like a maniac. I think, yeah, I think uh, Nolan's Joker was heavily influenced by John Ryder. And finally, number four. See Thomas Howell's fear when Rutger Hauer was holding the knife near his eye was genuine. Hauer impro- improvised the line and the position of the knife. The line was, quote, You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? Do you got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck when his throat's been slit? Yeah, that would creep me the fuck out, too, if that was improvised and Rutger Hauer's just holding the knife to my eye. Jesus. Whew. Well, that's The Hitcher. A seriously creepy film that I would give a definite 8. It's a memorable cult classic, the ultimate road thriller. And I think it has one of cinema's best boogeymen. I love that you never really know who Ryder is or why he's doing this. And when Jim asks him why he's doing this to him, Ryder simply replies, You're a smart kid. Figure it out. So creepy. One of my favorite lines. Definite inspiration for films like The Strangers. Where the creepiest thing about their motivations is that there is no motivation. It's random. That's way more horrifying than demons and aliens. You know, people get attacked every day. And just, you know, random violence can happen to anybody. It's so much more terrifying than anything supernatural. Or at least that's what I think. And that's all for The Hitcher, but let's see what happened this week in film. Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly are in negotiations to direct the long-gestating Dungeons & Dragons movie set for release in 2021. They will be replacing Chris McKay, who dropped out to work on the upcoming sci-fi thriller Ghost Draft with Chris Pratt. Now, I've never really explored Dungeons & Dragons. Role-playing games have never been my thing. I do remember seeing the first Dungeons & Dragons movie way back when I was a kid, 
And that was a shit film. Oh my God. Jeremy Irons, what were you thinking? And I just, I don't have a lot of faith in that. I mean, maybe it'll be better. I mean, you get the right people behind anything. Anything can work, but I don't know. Uh, Next up, the first official trailer for Martin Scorsese's The Irishman was released, starring Oscar winners Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci. It's the true story of Frank Sheeran, a mob hitman who claimed to be the man who killed Jimmy Hoffa. It's going to be a Netflix original set for release in the fall, and I cannot fucking wait. Ugh, this movie's been in production hell for 20 years. Scorsese's passion project, the ultimate mob thriller. He's got De Niro back. He's got Pesci, who came out of retirement for this. And it's the first time he's ever worked with Al Pacino. This is going to be unbelievable. Ugh, I can't wait. Next up, Chris Pine is going to be playing legendary broadcaster Walter Cronkite in the upcoming drama Newsflash, which tells the story of Cronkite's live reporting during the JFK assassination in 1963. Compelling stuff, we'll definitely be seeing this. I love biopics, I'm obsessed with the Kennedy assassination, and I like Chris Pine, so why wouldn't I see this? The teaser trailer for Christopher Nolan's new action epic, Tenet, was shown during certain showings of Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. I saw that last weekend. It was awesome. It was hilarious. But I did not see the Tenet trailer. I guess it's just certain showings. It's being described as an espionage thriller, and it's going to star Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, John David Washington, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Clemence Posey, Michael Caine, and Kenneth Branagh, set for release in 2020. And Nolan always knocks it out of the park. I have no reservations about this. His last film, Dunkirk, was amazing. Next up, and this is just funny. The Alamo Drafthouse, a popular theater chain based in Texas and my former place of employment, will be showing clown-only screenings of It Chapter 2. Meaning you can only go to this screening if you are dressed as a clown. They did this for the first film back in 2017, and it was weird. You can only imagine what the other moviegoers are thinking, just the theaters filled with clowns. And it's going to be fucking weird. You remember a couple years ago, there were sightings of killer clowns all over the country. I guess that was, uh, it started out as publicity for it, but it got way out of hand. People got crazy. I'm honestly surprised with the new one coming out that that hasn't happened again. Maybe it's early yet. You know, it too comes out next month. Maybe a bunch of clowns are going to start popping up all over the place. That would be insane. Didn't like it the first time. Not going to like it this time. Uh, the trailer for the World War I drama 1917 was released, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Richard Madden, Mark Strong, Andrew Scott, and Colin Firth. It's directed by Sam Mendes, who won an Oscar for American Beauty, and also directed the James Bond films Skyfall and Spectre. So I think it's going to be cool. Great cast, great filmmaker. I love World War I stories. There's not a lot made. And uh, the trailer looks very compelling. Next up, Gemma Chan is in talks to join Marvel's Eternals, set for release in 2020. Chan has already played an MCU character, uh, Minerva, in Captain Marvel, one of the Kree warriors working for Jude Law. No word yet on if she's playing the same character or a new one. Finally, and this was cool, Andy Serkis has been selected to direct Venom 2, set for release in 2020. Tom Hardy is set to return as Eddie Brock and Venom, and one can safely assume Woody Harrelson will be reprising his role of Cletus Cassidy, the serial killer who becomes the villain Carnage. Of course, if Harrelson drops out, Andy Serkis is already there, and he'd be a fantastic Carnage. I'm really excited for this. I did not expect to like the first one as much as I did, 
Andy Serkis is a cool left field choice for direct uh, direction. I have not seen his uh, debut Mowgli Legend of the Jungle on Netflix, but I'll definitely watch it prior to seeing this. Andy Serkis is just one of my favorite uh, artists working today. Just everything he does is amazing. The fact that he hasn't won some kind of honorary you know, special achievement Oscar is amazing. Like, I can't believe it. For Gollum alone, the man should have been showered with accolades. Ugh. That's all for this week in film. And next week, we're going to be taking an in-depth look at one of the greatest horror films of all time, and frankly, one of the greatest films of all time. The movie that holds the number one spot on Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments and has created more pathological fears of the ocean than any film in history. That's right. Next week's podcast will be on 1975's Jaws, the original summer blockbuster and arguably Steven Spielberg's masterpiece. But more on that next week. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or YouTube. Leave a review or comment on any updates or suggestions you have for us. We're always listening. Until next week, don't pick up any hitchhikers. Keep a lookout for fingers in your french fries. See you next Wednesday.